The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome. Good morning. Pinpoint Health Show here. John Scholes and, of course, uh, Dr. Nally. Dr. Luigi Nally is here to answer all the questions we have this morning. We are got a, we got a lot of stuff to cover today. Welcome to the first show of 2021. Some people are calling it 2021, but we're not giving up yet. So there you go. <laughs> I've heard that several times. <laughs> yeah, well, it did win for now, okay? But give us a break. We're coming back for this year. But we got so much to cover in our uh, next year here in the Pinpoint Health Show. Reaching out, by the way, anytime. Info at pinpointhealth.ca and one eight five 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 doctor Lou D R L O U. That's how you get there, and uh, you continue as well with the Lou down the long form podcast. Uh, what have we got going for our first show of the year, pal? How are you? Well, John, you know everybody in the new year always wants to sort of have their their New Year's resolutions. I mm-hmm. probably I you know I don't know the stat, but I would assume that ninety nine percent of the time it's to do with your health. Um, and and wanting to make a change in something. So one of the things that we've talked about at the tail end of 2020 uh, quite a bit was the genomic testing that I've been offering. Um, And I wanted to focus a little bit more on that and get into some specifics. Over over a number of shows, I've sort of brought up, you know, some of my results to sort of highlight the importance of this. I actually today have, um, you know, other times I've sort of brought it up off the top of my head. I actually have my report in front of me so that I can go through some stuff to let awesome. people sort of understand, um, you know, how, how in-depth this is and the level of, of knowledge that it can provide. But the reason why I bring it up today and, and with the new year and people always looking for a better way to sort of improve their health and New Year's resolutions and things like that, I think this is very fitting. And, and it's also something that the thing about this, and, uh, you know, one of the words that was used most in 2020 was novel. Um, and it was and it was used for the for a very bad thing. But in this sense, uh, this genomic testing is a novel type of thing. It, it is quite new. This isn't a standard thing that you go to your doctor for and you get genetic testing, right? We're all used to getting an x-ray or an ultrasound and simple lab work, you know, that shows, you know, different levels in your bloodstream. This is deeper than that, right? This is actually looking at what your genetic profile is uh, for, for a multitude of different things. And we'll go th- through that today. And in doing that, um, what it gives you is a sense of who you are, right? And, and, I've, and I've sort of brought this up where I've said a lot of the times what you're doing is guessing, right? You're thinking, and I, and I gave the classic example that I've been talking about for myself, where I have a family history riddled with um, diabetes on my dad's side. Everybody on my dad's side had type 2 diabetes, and they all eventually lost their lives as a result of some thing that's related to type 2 diabetes, like heart disease, stroke, whatever it may be. And so that's something for the longest time that I've thought, hey, um, you know, that's that's an issue for me. So I've tried to do as much as I can from a lifestyle perspective to um, to sort of minimize my risk, right? Because at the end of the day, type 2 diabetes is very much a lifestyle thing. And the problem was that for the longest time, I sort of thought no matter what I did lifestyle was, I'd be doomed because it's sort of in my genetics and I'm sort of screwed. Well, you know, I go and get this genetic testing done myself, this genomic testing. And sure enough, I find out that the gene, and we'll get to what that gene is later on, uh, that, that looks at insulin resistance, I actually have the better form of it where I'm least likely to develop that. So now that doesn't mean if you have that gene and you do all the wrong things that you're not going to get diabetes. I want to be clear about that because, again, type 2 diabetes is very much a lifestyle thing. 
But what it does sort of help me is thinking that at least all the things that I'm doing, I'm not just doomed by some genetics. So I can do, if I can, you know, in healthcare, we talk about what's called, and in genetics, the two-hit hypothesis, which says that for you as an individual to express a, a gene, you have to have, number one, the gene, and then you have to have something in the environment that triggers it. Well, this gives you the idea, like, I can do the right environmental things by changing my lifestyle, uh, minimizing my carb intake, and all of those things. And at the same time, I don't have to think, well, I'm doomed by my genetics, because now I know, well, I'm not. So it sort of helped me, more from a psychological perspective. Do you get what I'm trying to say, John? Like, it's yeah, more totally. of a reinforcement that what I'm doing is on the right track. And that, for me, meant a lot, because, like I said, for so many years, I've been doing this, and in the back of my head, I'm thinking, like, Hey, I'm doing all this stuff, but I'm probably still going to get type 2 diabetes just because it's genetically something that I have. But I'm able to actually find out that, no, it's not. Now, I was able to find out other things where I am predisposed. And so I've, I've been able, you know, the, the one thing that I've been saying to people with this genomic testing is it's sort of, it's not meant to be diagnostic in the sense of like, okay, what do you have or you don't have? Because that doesn't tell me whether I have diabetes or whether I will get it or anything like that. It's just giving me what my genetic predisposition is. But what it does do is it gives me an overall picture where now I can make choices in my life based on my genes. And so what I wanted to do today is sort of go through some of the things in this, in my report, right? Because I'm not going to talk about someone else's report because I'm not allowed, but Hey, my show, my report, I can sort of do whatever I want with my own information. So I'm happy to talk about it just to use it as more um, a guide for people. So, you know, the report starts with the mood and behavior stuff. So it will actually look at different genes that are related, say, to dopamine and serotonin, which are uh, neurotransmitters that are involved in the way uh, you think, you feel. And as an example, one of the first um, uh, genes, which is called COMT, um, you can have three different genotypes. So that tells you on that gene the variation that you could be. I'm what the genotype, which is called GG, which that genotype is associated with the highest COMT activity and the shortest dopamine half-life. So what that tells us is that the dopamine half-life, so I'm clearing out dopamine, which is the feel-good hormone, quicker than most. So, so now that doesn't really mean a lot inherently on its own but if you're a healthcare professional then i can sort of start to piece that together for myself we know dopamine is the is sort of an, and it's often talked about as the feel good hormone right like the thing right. that makes you happy so if if i've got an enzyme that has the shortest amount of half life what a half life is is how quickly that is cleared out so obviously it'd be better if i had the longer so the genotype that's associated with the longest half life is called aa and in that genotype, um, you have the longest dopamine half-life, which means it sticks around longer. So what does that tell me? That tells me that my feel-good hormone, the, my, my uh, enzyme activity that, that sort of works on dopamine, it clears it out pretty quick. So that might have an effect on my mood, my behavior. And mood and behavior can be harder to um, sort of deal with in that sense. But it gives me an idea of like, you know, this is something where, you know, I could say, well, I sort of know why sometimes I can be short-tempered, right, or, or things like that. So, you know, and that's not necessarily my forte is the mood and behavior. I'm much more on the physical body stuff. So there's, it starts with the mood and behavior, and I just bring that up. But where I found a lot of interest in this is once we get into the cardiovascular report, um, and then the other methylation report, so the, the area of methylation, and then metabolism. 
Um, So just as an example with the cardiovascular report, because I think this is where a lot of people, the other thing is this is where you can have an intervention. So as an example, so gene 9P21, um, the genotype that I have is what's called AG. So what that is, and I'm going to read it directly off my report, it's associated with a moderately increased risk of coronary artery disease and ischemic stroke, okay? So that doesn't mean I'm going to have coronary artery disease, and it doesn't mean that I'm going to have a stroke. But what it does tell me is that my genotype is associated with an increased risk in that. So now, what can I do with that information as an individual? What I can do with that information as an individual is, is now go a step further. And what are the things that help people that are at risk of coronary artery disease and ischemic stroke? One example, cardiovascular activity. Right. So if you increase the amount of cardiovascular activity that you do, you benefit your cardiovascular system and that can help to offload that. Um, there's other examples in terms of food. So we know that eating foods that are high in bad fats, right, that's going to create clotting in your blood or in your in your bloodstream. And that meat may predispose you to those things. So now I can change my diet to avoid those foods. Now, most people would say, well, isn't that stuff good for everybody? Like, wouldn't it be good for most people to eliminate those foods and do some cardiovascular activity? And the answer is probably yes. But isn't it nice to know that for sure what you're doing has some type of outcome that's beneficial? Like, I think that's the part of this report for me that's been the best. It's not been anything that's, you know, groundbreaking, but it's really helped to solidify that what I'm doing, I'm on the right track. And that could take a long time to achieve those uh, types of results. Is it, uh, does it cover, I guess the best term is all bases. For instance, like you said, people who are going to be going through this, which I want to do this with you in the new year for sure. I think there's probably three main components just sitting here on the sidelines as you as you speak about it. A would be your cardiovascular health or your heart health. People are worried about heart attack and stroke. They're really worried about um, uh, Alzheimer's and that type of thing, brain activity. That's come into the fore in the last few years. That's a hot topic. And then as well, weight loss and just and just dietary needs. Does it in some aspect cover all three of those or at least give you some 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 leg up on your knowledge about those three? What do you mean? Like, is there one specific gene associated with all of those? Is that sort of the yeah, question I mean, you're the, the, Yeah, the thing you mentioned there kind of led to, you know, ischemic stroke and stuff like that. So it kind of gave you a, a bit of a, a bit of a, a lead as to where you should be going with that. Would there be something in that testing that says, oh, you might be high risk or you might have the early, not early signs because that means, you know, people are going to freak out. But, you know, maybe you may be susceptible to Alzheimer's or stuff like that. You know what I mean? Well, so some of that stuff is interesting. So just to go sort of, so I was just talking about the gene that I have that's associated with an increased risk of coronary artery disease, right? There's another gene called APOE, and my genotype there is what's called 2-3. This genotype, it's associated with optimal lipid metabolism and optimal total LDL cholesterol level. So sort of going, so so let's backtrack. So I said with that, that first genotype of increased coronary artery disease and stroke, I mentioned about not having high fatty foods because maybe that's going to create some type of of, of problem with uh, when I have high fat foods that that'll create some problems in the arteries. Well, what this next gene tells me is that my genotype is actually optimal for lipid metabolism and, and that my total LDL, which is the cholesterol levels, are pretty good. And if we go further down... Um, in this report, what you'll see on mine is that where I have a problem is my ability when I eat starchy foods are more likely to be stored as fat. So 
this goes back to different diet plans, right? So this tells me what I should really be doing is like, if you're, if you've got this increased risk of coronary artery disease, do I stay away from fats or do I stay away from starches in order uh, to, to sort of help myself with that profile of being at an increased risk? Well, based on the next level of genes that I have, I'm going to stay away more from the starches than I am the fats. Does that sort of make sense? Yeah. Like where it builds one builds off the other. I love it. It sounds it sounds uh, sounds fantastic. I want to get to more of this and let people know how they can contact you as far as getting this done for themselves in the new year, the cost, and how they go about doing it. That's all coming up here. So much more to cover here on the uh, Pinpoint Health Show. You want to reach out? Here's a good way: one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U info at pinpointhealth.ca. We'll continue Pinpoint Health Show Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Yeah, welcome back. Pinpoint Health Show, Skulls and Dr. Lou here taking care of it. Uh, the first show of 2021. Welcome to the uh, the new year. And a new round of shows, and uh, Dr. Liu started talking about some genome testing. This is something you got into at the end of 2020. Sounds really interesting. I can't wait to get on board and see what's what. I know now if someone, uh, a, a layperson like myself, would have this test done, I would probably get this this uh, report back, and I'd look at it like this might, might as well be in Swahili because I can't understand the thing here. Is this something well, that you can guide someone through with at least and, yeah, and decipher? Yeah, I, I- yeah, absolutely. And whether it's me or someone else in their health team, yes, the, the, I would definitely recommend that a professional go through the report with you. Having said that, the company does do a good job of sort of making it, you know, I don't want to say easy to digest, but like even a layperson could look at it and get some information out of it, right? Like you may not get all of it. And, and I definitely think it's better to go through it with a healthcare professional, but, but it's not completely like a foreign language, like you're suggesting. There is some stuff where you'd say, Oh, okay. That sort of makes sense. So yes. sort of continuing down where I'm going. So here's another thing. Uh, um, so this gene SLC and no one's going to remember the names of these genes. I'm just telling you, cause as I'm reading my report, but this is an interesting one, especially for what I do. Okay. Which a lot of the times what I'm dealing with John on this show and where my scope of practice, where I actually help people is pain and injury problems. This is an interesting gene SLC zero one B one. Okay. Um, there's three variations that you can have in this gene. Um, one of them. So if you have the CC variation, uh, what it's a statin mobilizer. So there's a decrease in the statin mobilizer. And what that means is it actually increases the risk of myopathy. And so people are going to say, well, what is myopathy? Myopathy mm-hmm. is disease of muscles and fibers. So when they don't work properly, so weakness, pain. So some people that have been suffering, say, with chronic pain, as an example, um, and, and, you know, they think it might be due to an injury or something like that maybe there's actually an underlying genetic predisposition to this where you have a certain gene um, that predisposes you to myopathies. And if that's the case, then it sort of will make sense why you're dealing with what you're dealing. So now, again, that doesn't change. It's not like now knowing you, you, you know, it, there's no real good answer to say, okay, well, the next step will be, well, what do I then do to change that, right? right. Um, and, and that's a harder thing. But I know in, in, in my clinical experience anyways, a lot of the times what makes people feel better, uh, and, and this is sort of sometimes seen as a placebo effect, but I, you know, I think placebo in some sense is important. And where I'm going with this is sometimes people 
are in worse shape than they are because they just don't understand why they're the way they are. And the minute you can give them some level of understanding, they sort of sit there and feel better. And, and a classic example where this happens all the time to me is when I see people with spinal stenosis. And I'll get spinal stenosis is something, and this is nothing related to the genomics. I'm just bringing this up to highlight the importance of understanding what's sure. going on with you. Um, I see a lot of people, and, and most of the people that have spinal stenosis are elderly. And they're coming in, and they've never, they've been told this term. They've been told by somebody, you have spinal stenosis. But they've never actually had someone explain what that means, what, what that means they should or should not do. And so they're missing the level of understanding. And when I see these people, most of the treatment that I do around spinal stenosis is that education and understanding component because I know that once they understand what's going on, they'll know the right things that they should do and they'll know the wrong things that they should be avoiding and the things in between. And the amount of people that I followed up with that have come into me, told me they have spinal stenosis, confirmed on an MRI or CAT scan or whatever, and then I sit down with them and I explain things to them. And, you know, then I follow up with them in six or eight weeks. And all they did was see me one time to get a level of understanding and they report feeling better. And that's a big thing. Education and empowerment doesn't just show up in this. In fact, if we look at the research on a lot of different problems, we see that once people understand what's going on with them, so they have education and then they're empowered to understand what they should or should not do, they start to get better. And that goes towards comforting the mind. So much of what you feel physically goes back into what you feel mentally. And as an example, going back to the chronic pain patients, so many times I've seen people that literally what they've said to me is, I can deal with the pain. I just want to know why I feel this way. They want to, they want to have some type of answer. Now, I'm not saying that this genomic testing is going to give you the, the full answer, but it might start pointing you into directions where you say, okay, this makes sense. I get why I feel this way. And so that was the example that I brought up with that gene on the, on the myopathy. Um, uh, so here's another thing. So now we get into methylation, uh, uh, which is your ability to sort of process things that happen in your body. And one of, and, and where I'm going with this one is one of the questions that I get asked all the time is what should be people be taking in terms of supplements, vitamins, like what yes. is the right one? And mm -hmm. it's such an individualized thing. So here's an example of where I knew for me what I should be doing. So in my methylation report of this genomic testing, the gene FUT2, I have, again, there are three genotypes, three variations that you can have. I have the genotype AG. This, and I'm going to read it, is associated with a moderate possibly suboptimal enzyme function of plasma cobalin levels. You're going to say, well, what the heck does that mean? Cobalmin is B12, okay? B12 is very important. So I now know because I've got a problem potentially with my enzyme, enzyme activity to process that, I'm now supplementing with B12. Why is B12 important and why does this matter towards my history? And I talked about this a few um, uh, months ago. Uh, one of the things that I've been suffering with over the last, I don't know, call it five or six years, is I've been getting weird numbness and tingling in my hands and feet. And we get this call all the time, right, where, where people say that and it's my job to figure out what's, what's causing that. And there's a lot of things that can cause that. I've had everything checked that you can imagine, okay? So, you know, the things that could cause numbness and tingling in, in a person my age could be something neurological like multiple sclerosis. Um, you know, it could be uh, alcohol, if you're an alcoholic, which I'm not, so that one was easy enough to rule out. Yep. One of the other things is a deficiency in B12. Now, 
when you go get blood work for B12, what that does is it just measures your level of B12 in your blood. Every time I had that done, it was perfect. There was no issue with the amount of wow. B12 that I had. But what I find out here in this genomic report is it's not the level that I had. It's the enzymes activity in my body in, 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 in able to process it and actually use it towards the nerve function. So what have I done? Even though my levels were normal, I've now supplemented with more B12 so that I go above what would be normal for me so that that way when my enzyme is utilizing all of it, I'm actually going to get what I need out of it. And, you know, I've been doing this now for three months. No more numbness and tingling. Come just on. from something simple like that. And I never supplemented with B12 before because when I had my blood levels of B12 checked, it was normal. So in my head, I said, well, there's no need to do that because this is, the numbness and tingling isn't related to B12. Well, sure enough, now that I look deeper and I look at my genetic profile, which tells me that it's not necessarily the levels that you have, it's how you use it. And if you're not using it optimally, then maybe you've just got to supplement with more. And that's what I've done. I've now taken B12 every single day. And for the last three months, I've had no numbness and tingling. Call that placebo, call it whatever you want. But the outcome is I don't have numbness and tingling in my hands and feet. It's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, so many people would be interested in this. I mean, even from, like you said, a dietary perspective, which will be probably a big part of the interest with this thing. Or if you're uh, if you're an elite athlete, I mean, I imagine this would come in handy as well as far as, you know, making strides and gains and things that are holding you back. It might be something that this genome testing would uncover. I think, I think it's fascinating. I think it's totally fascinating. What else has it uh, yeah. done for you? All right, you're going to love this one because we're going to get into the metabolism and diet stuff. Love and it. I know that's the stuff you're always looking at. That's my hang-up. Um, yep. so, <laughs> so let's get into this one. Um, so uh, gene FT0, uh, okay? My genotype is TA. What that means is that I essentially have a problem getting full. And because I have a problem getting full, I am more predisposed to obesity, right? Which is – I so – that I know about myself. So, but what does that tell me? So it tells me that genetically, I, you know, people, some people can eat and they can eat and they feel satisfied right away and they stop eating. I'm, my gene doesn't function that optimally. So I don't get that neurological signal to tell me that I'm hungry quickly, right? So now the next question becomes, well, now that you know that, what can you do? Well, there's a number of things you could do. Number one, you could slow down. So now I've, what I've tried to do, knowing that because the, the time between me getting that signal is delayed because of this gene. What I try to do is take a longer amount of time to eat. Now, this is also seems like the things that your grandmother would have told you. Chew your food, take longer. Sometimes these, these old things, these cliche things are cliche for a reason. But funny enough, in this sense, the other thing that you can do, and, and I've talked about cognitive behavior therapy for pain management, you could do cognitive behavior therapy around your ability to eat food and, and, and when you should be eating and taking breaks. And so what this gives me is it tells me that I've, I'm missing the, I, I'm sort of not missing because it's, it's associated with a, 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 a decrease. So it doesn't function optimally, which means I don't get the signal to get full as quick. So I now know that I've got to make this conscious effort to either say, no, well, I'm stopping Right. So at least now I know not to wait for my body to tell me I'm full, because a lot of people will say, well, your body will tell you when you're full. And it's like, well, in my case, that's going to happen too late. And because it happens too late, it predisposes me to gaining weight. And so now knowing that I can override that with my conscious ability to say, no, 
I know that I really am full. I'm just not getting the signal. I've had enough to eat. And this is where portion control for someone with this gene might be very important and, and might be a strategy that would work, say, for weight loss. It's so amazing. We'll continue to talk about the genome testing and giving you some cues how you can take advantage of it. In the meantime, uh, you need anything else, uh, for that matter, have a chat or go further. Call Dr. Lou, one 855 55 Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U, info at pinpointhealth.ca. That's the way to reach out. We'll continue. Pinpoint Health Show. This is Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome back, Pinpoint Health Show. You want to reach out to Dr. Lou anytime. The Lou Down is the long form podcast. By the way, the phone number always works 1 855 Dr. Lou, D R L O U. And the email address is good, uh, another good way as well, info at pinpointhealth.ca. Talking about the genome testing this show, I'm loving every second of this, and I can't wait to uh, to get on board with this one. Uh, Dr. Lou, where are we going next with it? You're going to love this next one, John, because I know that you, you've done a tremendous thing in your health by moving towards a ketogenic um, type of diet and cutting out mm-hmm. starches, and, and, and that's great. You sort of were able to find what worked well for you. One of the things clinically that I hear a lot is, so people struggle with knowing which diet they should sort of follow. And, and there's been people that, you know, John have tried to go the ketogenic route and it hasn't worked. Some people try uh, the low carb route and it doesn't seem to work for them. And, you know, there has to be a trade-off because if you, as an example, if you're going to have a low carb diet, well, you've got to then get all of your calories either from fat or protein, right? And, and equally so, if you're going to have a high fat, um, and protein diet, then you've got to take away uh, the carbs. So the, the big thing here becomes which might be the right thing for you genetically. So this genomic testing can actually tell you um, which way you should be going with that. And so um, the gene AP0A2, uh, my genotype, there's three genotypes again, my genotype is AA. I'm going to read this for you. No association to weight gain in response to fat consumption, Right. Now, let's move down a little bit in this report, and I'm going to tell you about the next gene, which is AMY1, and this one, my genotype is TA, and I'm going to read it. Moderate starch metabolism, increased association between starch consumption and weight gain. Boom. I have my answer right there. I know that if I followed a ketogenic diet that was high in protein and fats, no problem. I'm not going to gain weight because I don't have... now. Everything is related to calories. So if I have 10,000 calories of fat a day, I'm probably going to gain weight. But if you stay within, you know, the right prescribed amount of calories and I focus more on fats and protein, I'm going to be much more likely to lose weight than, and, and stay away from carbs than if I went another way. Let's say an example here is the vegetarian diet. So right. most people that are vegetarians, you can't really get rid of all of the uh, of the starch in that diet, right? Because you'd almost be left with nothing. If you're not having very much protein, you've got to sort of make that up. So a lot of a, veg- a vegetarian diet often includes, you know, rice, pastas, and things like that. Now, I'm not saying a vegetarian diet is bad. I'm just saying in my case, it's probably going to lead me to gain weight versus the opposite. Now, if the opposite was true in those genes where I had an increased risk of weight gain with fat consumption, and I otherwise, in the AMY1, um, had the genotype of 
of TT, which is no association between starch consumption and weight gain, then a vegetarian diet might actually be the way that I should go over a ketogenic diet if my goal is to lose weight. So, and the reason why I bring this up is so many people try different things and they don't try it long enough to give it a chance to work. They get frustrated. They've been doing it for three, four weeks. It hasn't worked. So they want to try something different. What this tells you is just stick with what you're doing, right? So, so if I stick with that, that low carb diet and I stick with more fat based and protein based, you know, I don't have to just try it for a month. I know genetically it's going to work for me. It might just take a little bit of time. It's catch up. There's other factors in terms of exercises, but you know, as I look at my report here and, and we go back to what I said at the beginning of the show, which was my increased risk of coronary artery disease. So, and I said, you know, I'd be doing cardiovascular activity. So if I'm doing cardiovascular activity, and then I also know that I can eat good fats, but I should eliminate my starches, and I do those things, I'm likely going to lose weight. And, and I have just following these, these things. So, so that's a very, very powerful thing. Um, one of the other examples that I've talked about a lot, this gene is TCF. 7L2, which has to do with the diabetes, um, my genotype GG associated with optimal insulin response and reduced risk of type 2 diabetes. So my insulin response is very good. Had I had the TT genotype, it's associated with suboptimal insulin response and an increased risk of type 2 diabetes. Man. So <clears throat> again, I've, I've given this example now a ton of times about my family history with diabetes. And what this tells me is at least what I'm doing is not for nothing. And, you know, if I follow this report even further and I make sure to eliminate my starches, like it's saying here, because it predisposes me to weight gain, I've got the optimal insulin response. If I do the right things, I probably won't get type 2 diabetes. And that's a powerful thing for me to know, especially with my family history. Um, this is like the uh, the health Da Vinci Code. This thing, I love this thing already. <laughs> Seriously, this is it's it's remarkable. Everybody should be taking advantage of this. I think. Here's another one that for me was a complete shocker. Okay, um, you know, one of the things when I was getting all that numbness and tingling, um, one of the things that could create that as well as a gluten sensitivity. So I thought maybe I had a gluten problem that I was, you know, and. And it's true, every time I would eat starches, I'd feel a little bit bloated and things like that. I got tested, no gluten sensitivity, okay? I've never had a problem with dairy products. I can eat all the dairy products in the world. I never mm -hmm. bloat. I don't get any, you know, running right. to the washroom or anything like that. But another thing that may have helped with my numbness and tingling, uh, just by that very nature, is gene MCM6. So my genotype, GG, associated with lactose, non-persistence and lactose intolerance so i saw that and i was like wow that's really strange i've never had an issue with dairy in my life um but you know knowing that that my genes don't really line up with lactose really well what did i do i eliminated lactose from my diet and again i'm getting results and things that have never happened before in terms of even like the, the numbness and tingling could it have been a little bit of b12 and also eliminating dairy yeah maybe the point is is i was able to solve the problem um mm -hmm. and that was a powerful thing to me and this goes again back to diet what people should eat and not eat and you hear this all the time like don't eat dairy or you should eat dairy you don't have to guess right like you don't you don't need to make it a guessing game because if you had the genotype aa associated with lactose persistence and lactose intolerance then you know you might you might not uh 
use that and, and like I don't right so I've I've eliminated um, lactose from my, my diet for that very reason and, and I think that provided a lot of valuable information um, uh, for me and I and I think a lot of people might be interested to um, to see that it's it's, it's amazing wow. I mean after after you've done all this now you've given it some time because you know this does take time all to kick in how do you uh, how do you generally feel I, I mean, barring any sort of placebo, because I mean, I, you you you're, you're trained yeah. enough to think beyond placebo. How do you feel? Yeah, I feel good. I I can chalk this stuff up to placebo as well. But you know, one of the things that placebo gets a bad reputation, right? In the sense that if even the placebo, like I, when I say placebo in this sense, it's the fact that knowing makes you feel better, and I don't think that's a negative thing. Nope. Um, <clears throat> here's another big thing. This this is huge considering vitamin D and vitamin C, which is something we keep hearing about, especially during, you know, the infections with COVID-19 and flu and things like that. And you always hear about how important vitamin C and vitamin D are in your diet. So, you know, should you uh, supplement it? Should you not? Again, you don't need to leave it up to a guessing game because the gene SLC23A1, the three genotypes will tell you uh, how your circulating levels of vitamin C. So as an example, I am GG which is associated with optimal levels of circulating vitamin C. So what does that tell me? So long as I get what I need in my diet, I've got optimal levels and my vitamin C is good, so I probably don't have to supplement with that. Versus if I had the genotype AA, it's associated with suboptimal levels of circulating vitamin C, and then I might want to supplement. So now I don't have to, now I don't supplement with vitamin C. On the, to the same effect, CYP2R1 associated with vitamin D and another gene GC also associated with vitamin D. My genotypes there, AG, associated with suboptimal activation of vitamin D and suboptimal levels of circulating vitamin D. And then the GC um, uh, gene with my genotype of CA associated with suboptimal levels of vitamin D. So, John, what does that tell me? I'm not good on vitamin D. So what do I do? I supplement with vitamin D now. We got more of this coming up, by the way, and we'll give you some uh, some time just to uh, digest what we've talked about, and we'll uh, we'll tell you how you can take advantage of it as well. We'll take a short break, though. It's one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U. That, by the way, with any other health concerns you have, uh, musculoskeletal doesn't matter. Bring it on, Doctor Lou. Would love to talk to you. Email is info at pinpointhealth.ca. It's a Pinpoint Health Show. This is Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome back. Pinpoint Health Show. A few minutes to go this hour talking about the uh, genome testing. Dr. Lou, is it easy to get a hold of? How does one go about doing this? Because, I mean, so far the last 40, uh, 40 minutes plus have been really, really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and I've gone through a lot of in-depth stuff here. And, you know, it's probably too much for any one person to remember. But I figured if I actually brought up my report and, and sort of went through it, it, it sort of will give people have been very interested. How does one go about getting this? So this is simple. You give me a call. Um, all we have to do is talk. Um, one thing that I want to make clear to everybody is this is not something that is diagnostic. So you're not doing this because, you know, we're trying to solve a problem. This is much more something that I'm offering from a wellness perspective. If you want to find out more about yourself, you want to take your health to the next level, your wellness to the next level, I think that's where this is of real benefit. 
in terms of stuff that is diagnostic. That's my main role. When people call me with pain and injury problems, I need to see them. I need to go through things. But if you're interested in something that is more wellness-based and, and, and more for you and information, then I think this is a good thing. I've done it for myself because I believe there's value in it. I, I've recommended it to people who have done it and there's value in it, but I just want to be clear. It's not diagnostic in the sense that this will be able to help us figure out the problem that you're necessarily having, which is why I want to have a conversation with you first. So you'll call the one eight five five number. Um, uh, if I answer, great. If not, leave a message. I'll give you a call back. Uh, we're gonna have a conversation about you know why you're interested in it. I've had calls like some people have said to me like they want to determine their ancestry, and it's like, well, this isn't the right test for no. you, right? Like that's no. that's not why you're doing this. I've had other people that have called and said like you know I've been diagnosed with cancer, and uh, <clears throat> this this isn't the right thing for you because once you have it. You, like, you know, I've had people call me because I've talked about the diabetes example quite a bit where they say I have diabetes and I want to find out if I have the genes uh, that predispose me to diabetes. And it's like, well, at that point, if you already have it, it doesn't matter. Right. Like the reality is the, the actual reality is more important than the predisposition. You have diabetes. Now you've got to focus on the right things for diabetes. So it, this so what I'm trying to say is we've got to figure out why you want this test. And, and if I think you want it for the wrong reason, I want to make sure that I'm making you aware of that. Um, because I don't want people to have a false sense of belief that, you know, this will give them some answer that it won't provide them. Um, and that's why I think the advantage of just versus going online, right? Like there's a lot of these genomics tests that you can just get online and do it yourself. I think the advantage here is having a discussion with me, a regulated health care professional that can sort of help guide you on, is this the right thing for what you're looking for? Uh, and so it's a diagnostic test. It starts with giving me a call. If you're interested in the test and we determine that, yeah, it might be something that you should, you know, might be a worthwhile thing for your overall wellness. Uh, it's simple. I will have an administrator call you uh, from my office who will uh, process everything. You'll get this test mailed to your house. <clears throat> Excuse me. It'll be mailed to your house. It's a saliva-based test. Uh, you'll have to follow the instructions on how to get the saliva. Very, very simple. Uh, once that's done, you, there's a nice package with a weight bill on it and everything. Uh, you bring it to a post office and it gets sent out. Um, within you know six weeks to eight weeks, that report that I just sort of went through for myself will be completed and will be sent to you. And, and once it's sent to you, you then have the choice of, uh, you know, and that's what we'll discuss when you call in. Most mm -hmm. people are saying, yeah, when I get the results, I want to have a follow-up with you. I want you to help me navigate what all of this means. Um, and then we'll do that. And, and then you might have a better sense of you genetically. And so, again, this is very, very much something that is tailored more towards your overall wellness and not diagnostic, right? I don't, this should be something if you're interested in going deeper and in, in, into your wellness, not necessarily, hey, I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to get something. Because even what I said with the diabetes, just because, like, as an example with me, I have the optimal gene for, for insulin production, which gives me a reduced risk of type 2 diabetes. That doesn't mean I can't get type 2 diabetes if I do sure. stupid things, right? If all of a sudden all I do is eat starch-based food and I gain a ton of weight and I don't exercise, well, I'll probably get type 2 diabetes because it's very much a lifestyle uh, issue. So that's where I want to be clear with people. This is not diagnostic in the sense that it tells you whether you will or will not. Remember, a lot of the wording you saw is predisposed, increased risk, lower risk. None of these things are absolute. It just tells you where the genetic might lean you towards.
Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's like just because you're wearing a seatbelt doesn't mean you can fly into a wall at 100 kilometers an hour. Yeah, so I, yeah, yeah it's, it, it's, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? It's the same type of thing. Gotta love John's calls. Always, <laughs> always hits at home with the most morbid analogy, but it works. It's great. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I mean, I think it, I think it's a phenomenal thing. Talk about bespoke, uh, you know, wellness. I mean, this is exactly for you. No two tests will be the same. It could be your husband, wife, your daughter, your son. It doesn't matter. You're all going to be so different. I don't know why anybody wouldn't want to take it, uh, advantage of this. But for the simple reason that there is so much out there that and so many ways of, of trying to uh, you know capitalize on, on your wellness and, and and i mean some people come at it and some companies come at it with uh, with good intentions but you can spend a lot of money and still just be throwing darts at a dartboard and have no idea what you should be doing so i think this thing really puts a uh, laser focus on it which is brilliant absolutely brilliant yeah absolutely and, and and you brought up the thing about family members i think it's an important thing to know you know, even for, for your children, right? Like so many people, it's funny, so many people clinically when I've seen them and have a problem and they say like, you know, here's a classic example, someone who has like problems with, uh, has severe knee osteoarthritis and they'll say to me, should I be taking glucosamine, right? And we know glucosamine is something that can help uh, in the prevention of osteoarthritis uh, to some extent, but if taken as a preventative measure over a long period of time, um, so I often will see people who are the end stage of, you know, and, and they're looking for anything and they say, should I take glucosamine? And I'll sort of respond and say, no, but maybe your grandkids should, right? Because you, you genetically might be, they might be predisposed to something. And if they can intervene early in a preventative fashion, what you're doing is actually benefiting them, right? The fact that we know you have knee osteoarthritis. And so it's a funny answer. People always say to me like, oh, why do you say that? And I explain it. I say, well, because for you, it's sort of too late to take something that is better for prevention, but you know, you know that your family now is predisposed because you're related to them. Uh, and if that's the case, they might want to be thinking about that, right? They might want to be thinking about their genetic predisposition. And, you know, funny enough, we use that, like, you know, women who have been uh, diagnosed with breast cancer will often have the, their, their children, if they're females tested for, um, a few genes, BRAC1, BRAC2. I'm not a specialist in that area. I'm sort of recalling stuff from, from schooling, uh, but they get tested because they, they want to see the level of predisposed risk that they might be at. Now, that, that again, doesn't mean that you will get breast cancer, but it helps you <clears throat> to know should you be screening more often, should you be figuring things out, and, and that's what the advantage of some of this genomic testing is. Now, that's an example of things that are not provided in this report. It's not going to tell you about increased risk of BRAC1 and BRAC2 with cancer, things like that. That That is very different. This report is very much tailored, like I went through, on a wellness perspective. What you can do to feel better, to to change, you know, exercise, diet, supplementation. Um, and it's, and, and I'm just, and I keep stressing that this isn't diagnostic. It's very much more related to if you want to increase your wellness and you're looking for the next level to do that, this I think could be an option. And uh, great stuff. A lot of uh, a lot of stuff to digest there that we went through over this uh, this hour. The uh, the one thing you want to do, I think, is reach out and take advantage of this uh, of this test. Did you did you mention the cost? Is it covered by OHIP or uh, before we wrap? How's that work? It, it is not covered by OHIP. It's not. Uh, it's probably not even covered by most insurance plans yet, unless you have probably a health spending account. The test uh, is in the neighborhood of five hundred and fifty dollars, I believe. I can't actually recall off the top of my head. Uh, but this thing, you know, it's. It's a very intrinsic test to go through this stuff. It gets sent off to McGill University, and, and that's sort of uh, the price of a lot of these types of tests. They're not necessarily 
cheap, but at the end of the day, um, you know, you, you make the choice for yourself. Hey, my gym membership isn't covered by OHIP either, but I would never do without it for a day for sure. You want to uh, you want to take advantage, one 855 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U, info at pinpointhealth.ca. Get on it and uh, do something good for yourself in 2021 for sure. We'll, uh, we'll see you next time. Pinpoint Health Show right here, Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.